This is Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast. I'm Jerry Williams. Thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day today. This is the second of four kind of Christmassy themed episodes in the podcast. This is, what is this? This is season three. This is episode 19 of season three. Uh, and on this episode, I'm going to share some thoughts on another character who is closely associated with the Christmas story. And I'm going to introduce another little mini segment into the Christmas mix here. A look at the background on a Christmas tradition. And on this episode, we're going to look at the Christmas tree. All that is coming up on this episode of Life with Jerry Williams. We associate a lot of traditions with Christmas time. And some of them are, are universal. Some of them are more specific to different geographic areas, and some are specific to you and your own family. That's one of the things I love about Christmas. On this episode, I'm introducing a new mini-series of segments on Christmas traditions and the backgrounds on some of them, where they came from, why we do the things that we do at Christmas time. Uh, it was just a couple of days after Thanksgiving at my house that we put up the Christmas tree, but we only put up the tree and the lights because my son and his three boys uh, have been living with us for just about a year. It was right around this time last year that they moved in with us. They've had kind of a rough year. So we wanted to make the decorating of the tree a big deal with the Christmas music and the hot cocoa and just retelling the story behind some of the ornaments, how long we've had them, where they came from, the meaning that they had for us, who gave us the ornament, how we, we came to be in possession of it. And so we were doing that and decorating the Christmas tree, and, and the kids had a great time. One of them, my middle grandson, asked me, why why do we put trees in the house anyway? That's kind of a wacky idea. Whoever came up with that? And I had to tell him, I don't know for sure who did come up with it, but I did some research on it, and it turns out that evergreens have been a, a staple of winter decorations even in the time before Jesus. Pagan cultures would display them as a sign that spring would eventually return. The first use of evergreens as a Christmas tree kind of debated where that took place, but there are three cities in Latvia, Tallinn, Estonia, and Riga, that all claim to be the home of the very first Christmas tree. Now, in the 1500s, Germans started moving trees into the house as part of their Christmas celebration. And it is rumored that Martin Luther, the reformer, was the first to put lights. Back then, it was lighted candles on a Christmas tree inside the house. Story goes, Luther was walking through a pine forest one night on his way home and was taken by the sight of the stars shining through the branches of the evergreens. So much so that he wanted to recreate that view for his family. So he put a tree in the house and he put candles on it. The tree itself, the Christmas tree itself, gained worldwide popularity, and especially in England and America, when Queen Victoria had her husband, Prince Albert, who was born in Germany, bring a Christmas tree into their palace and decorate it. Well, a photo of the royal Christmas tree was picked up by newspapers around the world, and the Christmas tree became an immediate tradition. There are quite a few characters associated with Christmas. Dozens, if not hundreds. There are the players in the scriptural account of the original Christmas story, Jesus, Mary, Joseph, who I talked about on the last episode, the angel Gabriel, a host of unnamed angels and shepherds and wise men. 
And though not mentioned in the Bible, a, a little drummer boy often shows up in nativity scenes, thanks to the song written by Catherine Kennicott Davis in 1941. And then, of course, there are the other stories and characters which have attached themselves to the Christmas season, like the gang at the North Pole. There's Santa and Mrs. Claus, assorted elves and flying reindeer. Can't forget the Grinch and the citizens of Whoville. And a few movies have become such a seasonal tradition that their players have become a part of our yearly celebration. There's Ralphie and his family and friends from A Christmas Story. George and Mary Bailey, Mr. Potter, Uncle Billy, Bert the Cop, and Ernie the Cab Driver, and the rest of the folks from Bedford Falls and the movie It's a Wonderful Life. And of course, there are the characters from Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Published in 1843, Dickens' story introduced us to Ebenezer Scrooge, his hapless clerk Bob Cratchit, Cratchit's son Tiny Tim, Jacob Marley, Mr. Fezziwig, the ghosts of Christmas past, present, and yet to come. The classic story has never gone out of print, and it has been adapted for the stage, screen, and TV. It is a story of redemption at its heart. Practically, all of these figures, the historical as well as the fictional, provide us with some sort of lesson or example, even if it's a cautionary one. As I contemplate the scores of names we associate with the season, there are many that I would like to emulate. Joseph, the stepfather of Jesus, who we talked about on the latest episode of the podcast, provides a wonderful example of obedience and compassion. The shepherds and wise men sought out the Christ child, worshipped him, and then shared what they had seen and heard. Even jolly old Saint Nick provides an example of selfless giving and joy. But the character I most readily identify with is Dickens' Ebenezer Scrooge. The Scrooge I see in myself is the redeemed Scrooge, the man who has weathered visits from three ghosts and learned the lesson they had to offer. I see myself as the Ebenezer Scrooge of December 26th, the man who has fully realized the folly an error of his former life, his wasted youth and missed opportunities for love and joy and peace, the man who now knows the fate he deserves, but who has been granted a second chance to grasp life anew thanks to the truth of the gospel of Christmas. And with that knowledge, Scrooge and I now possess an inexpressible joy. There's a scene near the very end of the 1951 movie version of A Christmas Carol. Happens to be my favorite. I think it's the best version done. It stars Alastair Sim as Scrooge. And this scene sums up how both Scrooge and I now view our redeemed lives. It's the morning after Christmas. Scrooge hurries to his office in order to arrive before his clerk, Bob Cratchit. Cratchit, much as Scrooge had expected, arrives late to work after making rather merry, sir, the day before. Well, Scrooge calls him into the office and Cratchit fears the worst. But Scrooge, instead of chastising or firing Cratchit, raises his clerk's salary and sends him out to buy a new coal scuttle to warm up the office before he dots another eye. Well, after Cratchit leaves, Scrooge attempts to get some work done, but 
He can't stop laughing. <laughs> he scowls and he berates himself, saying, Ah, I don't deserve to be so happy. And then he begins to laugh again, saying, But I can't help it. I just can't help it. That's what the truth of the Christmas story has done for me. And barely a day goes by that I don't, along with old Ebenezer Scrooge, thank the Lord for the unshakable, undeserved joy he has so richly given me. Again, thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day today and for listening to Life with Jerry Williams. Please do subscribe to the podcast. And if your podcast platform allows it, leave a review, a five-star rating that will help other people find the podcast as well. On the next episode, we'll continue with our little mini Christmas series uh, talking about another biblical character and looking at the background of another one of our Christmas traditions. That is coming up next time on Life with Jerry Williams, the podcast.